Sometimes the world has just beaten you down and you need to pick yourself up and move on. This week, how to do that. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 85. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help smart people improve their communication and leadership skills, but also to inspire all of us to be the best we can possibly be. And most of us are our own worst enemies, and there are times that we all are beaten down, and in fact, many of the times in my life that I've been beaten down, it is me. I was the one who beat myself down. Other people may have contributed to it, and they certainly weren't helpful, but I was the one that really beat myself down. And the thing that's really held me back at the times in my life when I found that I've hit the greatest obstacles, when I've been uh, in, in the way or something just hasn't been working for me, if I really look back and examine it truthfully and honestly, and especially with the perspective now of getting older, it's been me that's been in the way most often. And I just was having dinner with a former student this week from seven or eight or nine years ago uh, who had a class with me and we got together for dinner and we were just talking about life and business and, you know, just how people work. And, you know, one of the things we both, uh, we both commented on that was that it's just so interesting how, how we surround ourselves, how we, the attitude we bring to our work every day to our family life every day, how that has a huge, huge impact on our state of mind, our well-being, our effectiveness, and how we both acknowledge that there are times that we get beaten down. And sometimes it is us, and sometimes it's outside factors, but there's a lot that we can do to not only prevent it, but to get ourselves out of those situations when we get into them. And I've also been thinking about this a bit this week too, uh, Back, uh, thinking back to my interview with Daniel Pink last week on his new book, To Sell as Human. And one of the principles he talks about in that book and the, uh, the principles for the next generation of people who are selling is the, the principle of buoyancy, the importance of being able to keep yourself up in the midst of, of disappointment which certainly people in sales face, but those of us who do non-sales selling or any kind of sales or influencing people get disappointments all the time. We all get disappointments every single day, every single week, and some weeks they're more than we we can handle. And so today's show is about how to pick yourself up, how to pick yourself up when you are down. And hey, you may be doing great today. I hope that you are. Uh, I am. And that's one of the reasons I'm recording this episode right now is because, you know, it's, it's, it's easier when we have that perspective, when we're doing well, to have that perspective on what we can do when we're down and to think about what actions we could take. But if you're not there, if you're down, this is the episode for you. And even if you are doing great, this is great reserve power for you to keep in mind because inevitably you will be down at some point. And I encourage you to pull back up this episode, listen to it again, because I'm going to be sharing 10 ways you can pick yourself up when you're beaten down. So here's 10 things you can do that will get you back on track, that will get you thinking differently, acting differently, and to break that cycle of being beaten down. And we all get beaten down. So first thing, number one, 
is find something to be in awe of, preferably something you had something to do with. We all need to remind ourselves and take that step back at the great things we've done in the world, the great and it, you know the wonderful things that we've helped create. And we should take a step back and be a good finder. It's easy to focus on the things that aren't going well. That's human nature for most of us. We'll you know, right away notice the things that aren't working, but we also need to take a step back and understand and appreciate the moments where things are working. I remember about 15 years ago, I was in my very first job, and I don't know why I hadn't thought to do this up until that point, but it was I was probably two years into my first job. And at the time, I was managing this entire center of people. I had a part-time staff, a full-time staff. I worked in the education business, so we had kids and parents in the center every day. And I remember one afternoon, it was one of those days that everything was going great. You ever have one of those days? It just seems like you know you hit all the green lights. Everyone says yes to something. I was having one of those days. I was having one of those days. You know, it's just like nothing could go wrong. All the kids were behaving in the center. The staff was doing great. Uh, you know, uh, everyone was communicating well. Parents were happy. It, all the things were coming together. And I remember just taking about five minutes that day. And in the midst of all of that that was going on, I took a step back. I went to the, actually a corner of the building and I just stepped back and I looked at everything that was going on. I looked at the people that I had developed over the last couple of years. I looked at the people I was managing. I looked at the people I was serving. I looked at the customers that I had helped bring into the business. And I took about five minutes and I just stood there and was in awe, was just so thankful and so grateful that I'd had this wonderful opportunity to move across the country because I grew up in the Midwest. I'd moved to California. I'd gotten this job and, you know, I'd started kind of, kind of rough, but man, I, I was just in such awe of all the great things that had happened since then. And today I still feel those feelings and I, I've reminded myself now as a regular practice in my work and in my family to take those steps back once in a while and just have those moments of awe and amazement about the things that are working wonderfully in life. And here's the thing. Most of us don't think to do that a lot of the time. I know I don't do it nearly as much as I'd like to. The key is to find those moments. There is almost a, a moment every day that I could literally step back and just be in awe of something that either I helped contribute to, something that happened that was neat, something, someone that I helped, some opportunity that came my way, something that I've helped create in my life or someone else's life. And I would challenge you to take a moment today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this this week, to stop and be in awe of something that you've done, that you've created, and to recognize the wonderful things you've done. Second thing that you can do to pick yourself up when you're beaten down is call the Lena in your life. You know, I uh, had a friend, uh, I have a friend <laughs> that uh, sent me an email last week. We were trying to get together. Uh, Lena's an old friend of mine that I, I've known for, oh gosh, 13, 14, 15 years. And uh, when, uh, when we first got to know each other, we, uh, you know, we just kind of hit it off. We always have supported each other in our professional work and personally. And she sent me an email 
this uh, past week because we were trying to, you know, Bonnie and I were trying to, you know, see if we could coordinate or getting together with her to have dinner or get lunch when she was down here in this area. And uh, it didn't work out. But anyway, so uh, she sent me an email back though and said, hey, even though it's not working out now, I just want to send you this email and let you know I'm just, uh, I'm just in, excited for all the things you're doing. Uh, you know, the podcast is great to listen to. I love that you have such great family balance with Luke and with Bonnie. And and she just she just complimented me on all these wonderful things in my life that, you know, I don't always think about every single day, but that but she is that kind of person that anytime uh, we interact, she builds me up. And and I'm grateful to have several friends in my life who are like that, that when we get together, it may not be often. In fact, I only talk to Lena you know, once a year sometimes. We know we'll go, you know, you have those friends. Sometimes you don't talk to very much. But when you get together, they're your true friends. They're the type of people that are going to build you up, that are going to help you, that are going to support you, and that are going to listen when something's not going right. And when something isn't going right, call the Lena in your life. Uh, you know, don't call the people that want to fix you. Beware of people who want to try and fix you or do quick things to make you feel better or say, hey, I'm going to take you out on the town tonight and I'm going to cheer you up. You know, those are the Band-Aid people in life. They're the people that are kind of there for that short term wanting to do something to be the hero and to fix you and to make you better. And and that's fine sometimes. But really, your true friends, the true people you want to call when you're beaten down are the people aren't going to try to fix you. The people who are just going to listen and be present with you. Find the people that that will just let you be, that will just stop and listen. And that's one of the reasons I am so grateful to be married to Bonnie. She is amazing at this. Uh, she's been a wonderful teacher for me in this way of just stopping and listening, not trying to fix anything, not trying to do anything. She is just amazing at that. And I'm grateful to have the person who's best at that in my life be the person I'm married to. And I'm grateful to have several other people like Lena who are wonderful at that as well. And if you have that person in your life, then that's the person to call when you're beaten down. That's the person that to, to call and to connect with and to be a, have them be your champion. Now, tell them you need to get picked up. They'll, they'll come to, the, they'll come to the, uh, the table and be there to support you. Um, you know, it's okay to call someone and say, hey, I'm not having the best day. Not necessarily the people you're managing if you're in a leadership role, but call that person that can really support you. Often, they will give that perspective that will help you to continue to move forward. Number three, help somebody who can do nothing for you. I love the quote, and I wish I could attribute it to someone because I've heard it many, many times in my life, and I don't remember who said it, and I tried to find it, but uh, the, the quote is, a real test of a person's character is to watch how they treat someone who can do nothing for them. You know, many people will do nice things for someone that will do something nice for them in return, but the true test of character is how people treat others who are going to do nothing for them and do not have the capacity to do anything for them. And I think about an example of this that uh, you know, many of us will remember in our lifetimes was as Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was an amazing example of this and what a wonderful role model for all of us of, of picturing somebody who um, did spend her entire life 
giving and 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 nurturing and ministering to people who could do nothing for her. But she dedicated her life to do that. And and you know, it's interesting. Um I don't remember the timeline for it, but I know after Mother Teresa passed, there was some papers of hers that had come out and the it was a little bit of a media sensation at the time. This is probably going back five or ten years now. And it was a sensation because it was discovered that Mother Teresa had had some struggles with her faith during her life. And she called, you know, she she doubted her faith sometimes and she called, you know, into question parts of her faith. And and it was it was it made the news, of course, because Mother Teresa appeared during her life to be this infallible, perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly dedicated servant of God, which, of course, she was. And in addition to that, she had her doubts. And I always think that that's interesting, you know, thinking about her life is we all have doubts. The, 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 the surprise about Mother Teresa isn't really a surprise at all. Every single one of us have doubts. Uh, every single one of us struggle with these things. And when we help others, we help work through those. I love the quote from Anne Lamont, who says, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. So if you find yourself struggling in your life, if you find yourself beaten down, if you find that you are, you know, you're, you're kind of under that rock right now, that is the way that it's supposed to be once in a while. We're not supposed to be perfect. We're not supposed to always have that perfect confidence. And certainly for those of us who lead in our situations where we influence others, we are bombarded all the time with tough situations, with with decisions that we need to make on a regular basis. So who can who can you help? Who could you help? Is there someone in your life this week and it doesn't, this doesn't need to be anything fancy. You don't need to go off across the world and start a ministry and find people to serve uh, you know, for the rest of your life. If you did, God bless you. Go do it and, and do wonderful things. But you don't have to do that. You could find somebody who could do nothing for you and bless them in some way. You could leave a huge tip at the restaurant this afternoon where you're going to have a lunch with somebody for a server that is particularly wonderful and amazing and just does it and just blesses you with great service and if that's the way that you go out and do something for someone that can't do anything for you that would be a wonderful thing to do so look for that opportunity and if you find that opportunity if you find the way to enhance someone's life that way it will enhance your life too number four get outdoors this is something I didn't appreciate for a long time. When I was a kid, I was sort of one of those, uh, you know how there's outdoor cats and indoor cats? For those of you who have cats, I think there's like outdoor kids and indoor kids too, you know? I was an indoor kid. I, you know, I, I liked being at the pool and doing all those things, but I, I was always kind of more of a kid that enjoyed being indoors. I liked the, you know, Legos and all the fun projects that went on inside. I always liked a rainy day because I got to sit inside and play all day long. And, you know, but the outdoors does something for us. That's just so hard to explain. It gives us that broader, larger perspective. It gets us out. It changes our environment. And I, I first really appreciated this about 20 years ago when I started running. I would go for runs of initially it was just, you know, short distances. Then I'd start running a mile and two miles. Eventually got to the point where I could run a marathon. But I've regularly for the last 15, 20 years 
gone out and run for three or four miles, and there is no better feeling, there is no better way I know to clear my mind and to get me thinking positively and to have me briefly at least put my troubles in a perspective than getting outside and going for a long three or four mile run. And you know, you may say, hey, I'm not athletic. And and first of all, I I I challenge anyone who thinks they can't do something like that or get out or do something active and say, you probably can do more than you think. I was told at one point in my life by a coach that I could never be a distance runner. And, you know, today I could, you know, I run distance all the time. So, so challenge your own assumptions. If you have an assumption that you can't go out or can't be athletic or can't do something outdoors, but even if you're not, or maybe you don't have the physical ability to do that, there is something you can do. You could get out, just get outside, go for a walk. Heck, there are times that I have literally been sitting in my office, you know, just felt stuffy, felt like the day wasn't going right and opened up my window and felt, you know, the wind come in and it's changed my entire attitude. So, you know, getting outdoors can mean a whole bunch of things, but, you know, do something. And and on a bigger scale, you could go camping, you could find a national park. Oh, I love the national park system here in the States. If the, For those of you who have never tapped into that, they're cheap, they're, they're great, you know, it's a wonderful resource. You know, even find, you know, if the weather's bad where you're living this time of the year, find a large gym or a large open space inside and use that as an opportunity to re-energize yourself. Okay, number five, read three pages of Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. I've been really fortunate over the years to be exposed to this book. I've, uh, as many of you know, who listen to the show on a regular basis, I'm an instructor and a staff member with Dale Carnegie Training. And Dale Carnegie wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's the book that made him famous. He's known for it. And many of you have read How to Win Friends and Influence People. But a little lesser known book by Dale Carnegie, but just as good, if not better, is How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Some of you have heard me talk about it on the show before. Here's the great thing about this book. It is so accessible. Even more so than Dale Carnegie's landmark best-selling book, how to, how to Win Friends and Influence People, you could literally pick up How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, open it to any single page, and read three pages. And believe me, it will change your perspective on something. And here's why it's so accessible. It's all about how you're thinking. See, with How to Win Friends and Influence People, if you read that book and you apply it, you actually have to go find someone and change how you're interacting with people, which, which is great. You should do that. But with how to stop worrying and start living. All you need to do is to get the perspective to change your mindset. Here's a couple of examples of chapters in this book. How to banish boredom. Hmm, is that something you struggle with? Here's another one. What makes you tired and what you can do about it? Hmm, I was a little tired earlier. I'm, I may need to go back and reread that chapter, actually. Here's another one. How to add one hour a day to your waking life. Wouldn't you like to know how to do that? So it's all in here. Now, the book is dated. It's It was... Uh, published, you know, back in the middle of last century. But here's the thing. Human nature doesn't change very much. Our technology changes, but human nature is very similar to, you know, what it's been for millennia. And the answers to a lot of perspective on how to deal with worry are in this book, or at least a starting point to the answers. I really encourage you to pick it up if you haven't. Again, by Dale Carnegie, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Number six, teach people how to help you. You know, if you're going through a time where you're beaten down and something's not working for you, 
teach people how they can help you. Find the people in your life who are willing to help you, who want to help you, and teach them how they can do that. An example for me was 10 years ago, I was finishing up my master's degree and I was looking to re-enter the workforce. And I knew that I wanted, I, I knew that I wanted to do something that was related to human development, to training, to operations. Uh, you know, I, I, I really had a desire to put my education use. I wanted to build upon my previous career and my previous position. And I, I just wanted to go out and teach and train and facilitate and coach. And I wanted to find an opportunity to do that. But I just, you know, I was hitting roadblocks. It was at a time when the economy was pretty bad here in the States. And so getting a job wasn't the easiest thing to do. And so I had been searching for a month or two doing a career search. And I'd gotten far enough along that I had enough clarity that I knew what I wanted, but I didn't have the connections and I didn't know how to get there. So here's what I did. I opened up my email one day. I drafted out an email to, uh, and I put the 30 people that I knew best in my life at the time in the address, you know, in the uh, address book header there. And I wrote out the email and I said, Hey, you know, here's what's going on with me. Um, I have, I should go track down the email actually, but it, it was basically, here's what's going on with me. Uh, you know, I'm about to finish this program. I'm looking to get, you know, get back into the workforce now. Um, I am, uh, you know, I, here's what I think I want. Here's the kind of positions I've been looking at. Here's what I think I, here's my skill set. Here's what I think I don't want and not get back into. And I sent it out to everyone. And it was probably about two weeks later that one of my dear friends, Kenny, emailed me back and said, hey, I'm taking a class from uh, someone who works for Dale Carnegie. And I think that you guys should meet. Well, long story short, 10 years later, I'm still doing wonderful work with the Dale Carnegie organization. If I hadn't sent that letter, though, my career would have never happened with Dale Carnegie. It would never have started. But because I taught my friends how to help me, when they saw the opportunities, they were willing to help, but they also knew how to help. And that's the thing a lot of times is we get in these tough situations in life and People want to help us. People who care about us want to help us, but a lot of the times they just don't know how. And it is okay. And in fact, it's not a bad idea to teach people how to help you. Number seven, spend time with a small child. You know, this is a this is an easy one for me because as many of you know, uh, Bonnie and I have our son Luke who's 14 months old. And so we are spending time with a small child all the time and other small children too, because of course we see a lot of children in our lives now that we have Luke. And so, uh, you know, two stories I'll share with you just to show you how having time with a small child just gives you such great perspective on life. So first story, last weekend on Sunday, we're walking in, the, we're, we're going to church and uh, Luke gets to go to this um, wonderful kids room during, well, during the service at church on Sundays and they just love him there and he loves them and we joke that it's like a buffet for him because he gets snacks the whole time and has toys. Anyway, it's just a wonderful place. He loves being there. Um, you know, sometimes he doesn't want to leave the room when we pick him up. So anyway, I'm walking in after the service to come pick him up and I forget where Bonnie was, but I was by myself that day and so we... Um, they have an outside play area and the outside play area leads into the inside play area, which leads to the exit outside of the room. And so 
I walk in the room and Luke's way in the outside play area. And so I walk in the inside play area and I say, Luke, and he turns his head and he sees me and he gets this huge, big smile on his face and he just starts coming at me and he's, he's still crawling. So he's, he's crawling, he's booking it. He's coming so fast to me. And I am just, I just am feeling so much love from this little boy. I sit there, I get on my knees, I outstretch my arms, I start smiling, I can't wait till he gets to me. And as he gets closer and closer and closer, I can tell he's not making eye contact with me at all. He crawls straight past me, ignores me entirely, and bolts for the open door that's on the other side of the room that he realizes is now open and he can get out. And if you've, uh, those of you who've ever met Luke, know he's always looking for an exit and an opportunity to make a jailbreak. And me and the childcare staff, we just cracked up laughing so hard because here I was thinking this was an amazing moment where this boy has this amazing connection with me and is so excited to see his dad. And in fact, he, he didn't even pay any attention to me. He was purely looking at the open door. What a great, funny moment for perspective in life, you know? We are not, curiously, I am not the center of everyone else's universe, including Luke's. And so, you know, that perspective that kids bring is just fantastic. Okay, so second story. This past weekend, Bonnie and I decided that Luke was ready for his first outside toy that he could go ride on. And we needed a little push toy that we could take him out. You know, he's getting a little bigger now and he's, you know, a little bigger for just having a stroller. And so we're trying to decide, should we get him a push toy or a wagon or what should we do? So we go down to Toys R Us, which is a big toy store chain here in the States. I'm not sure if it's abroad or not, but you, so we walk in and this is the first time that Luke's really been in a store of any large size that has all toys. Uh, he's been in a couple of smaller ones, but first time he's been in like a warehouse size store. And he loves to, when he gets in the cart, even though he's not supposed to ride this way, he loves to twist himself around in the cart and sort of kneel and face forward so he can see what's coming. And as much as we try to keep him strapped down, sometimes it's just not worth fighting on him, fighting him on it. So anyway, we're, we're, we're driving the cart into Toys R Us. The automatic doors open and reveal all the toys inside. We're pushing in. Luke is sitting there kneeling on the cart. And that little boy, when he saw all the toys and all the lights and the colors, he <laughs> the doors open. He lifts both of his hands into the air, points up to the sky, and this huge smile. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I can tell something good is going to happen from this shopping trip. And Bonnie and I just laughed so hard. Because to see the joy in a child's eyes to just go into a toy store, ah, what a neat, neat, fun thing to see. It is really hard to spend time with a small child and to not feel better, to not get perspective, which really is what we all need when we're down is we need that perspective. And children have a wonderful way to bring that out for us. So my challenge to you is spend time with a small child. If you find yourself that you're down, and if you may say, hey, I don't have any children in my life, you know, you certainly know someone who does have children. They will love you to come over and babysit and spend a couple hours. So, you know, go find the people you know that have children. Go to hang out with them. Go have lunch with them or with their family. And you will just see how children will bring a smile to your face. Speaking of perspective, number eight, get perspective to center you. Perspective is so important 
we realize the blessings we have so much more when we have perspective, but we also can see the path out of situations when we have perspective. One of the best examples I know of that I've seen in the last few years that for me is just an example of everything that's still right about humanity is the It Gets Better project that was founded by Dan Savage. And the It Gets Better project, if you've not heard about it, is um, is a project that's got a mission to communicate to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth around the world that things get better for them and to create and inspire the changes that are needed to make it better for them. And, you know, they talk about how growing up isn't easy. And, you know, there's, you know, for so many of us, we ran into struggles and challenges and bullying and all that when we grew up. And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that there's so much more attention to that now because I was a kid who was bullied when I was a kid, when I was young. And many, many people have been. And so there's so much of a more of an awareness about that in schools now. And I'm so grateful for that. And at the same time, particularly people that are in the LGBT community, are still being bullied, are, are taunted, sometimes even tortured just for being themselves. And so Dan Savage and a whole bunch of people around the world got together and said, hey, we're going to put together this project where we do videos and we record audio and video of people who are older in the LGBT community and outside of you know high school to give perspective to students who are going through these struggles right now to help prevent suicide. And man, if you've ever seen any of these videos, unbelievable how powerful they are. I was just on their website this past weekend, and there's a video right up now of a whole bunch of Mattel employees in the LGBT community and talking about how the struggles they went through and how it gets better and the perspective of life and how high school is just a tiny blip in, in your life and your in your life perspective. And you know, one of the one of my favorite, favorite videos I've seen on this uh, was put out by the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. Uh, I'm going to put an embed of the YouTube video. It's five minutes on the show notes. If you've never gone to the show notes or never go to the show notes, at least go to the show notes and look, watch this. It's five minutes. It is this amazing video of uh, this group of guys for this course getting together and singing the song True Colors and all their friends and family doing it. And just you'll see how they do it when you watch it. It's just an incredible message. But here's the thing regardless of the situation you're in, find the people who've walked down your path. That's why this project's so powerful. The it, it Gets Better project is people who have been down that path before who are now mentoring and leading those coming from behind them. So find people who've walked down your path. You know, one of the pastors in Bonnie and I, my life, um, has the saying that he says, you know, there are three kinds of people in your life. He does this to teach his kids. There are, there are people who are ahead of you, with you, and behind you. The people ahead of you are, are, are your elders, are the people who have the perspective and the, um, and the knowledge and the wisdom that you don't necessarily have. And then there's the people who are with you. You're, they're your peers and colleagues and friends who are at you know, your same spot in life right now. And they're the people that you are walking through life with most of the time. And then there's the people that are behind you the people who are younger than you. And those people are the people that you can mentor and you can coach. Well, here's the thing. When you're down, find the people who are ahead of you. Find the people who are your elders. Find the people who have more experience. Find the people who've been through the difficulties you're going through. Talk to them. I bet you'll find that they're going through some, they went through some of those same struggles. Number nine, remember the Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers? 
All right, so I'm a bit of a country music fan. I really like the popular country, the popular country music, not so much the traditional. But I am, I am a, I am a Garth Brooks fan, and I've uh, may have possibly seen him in concert multiple times live. All right, so the, he has this uh, song that I've always loved, not so much for the music, but for the message. It's called "Unanswered Prayers," and I think the lyrics speak for themselves. So I'm just going to say the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it to you. For those of you who are in, or in traffic right now, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Isn't that a great message? You know, I think back in my life of the times that I really wanted things to work out or something to go my way. Um, I think mostly to two things that were big life-changing moments, past relationships and jobs, things that I wanted to work out, either a relationship with somebody or a job that I really wanted to get that I ultimately didn't get. And now when I look back on those situations, I realize exactly why I had to go through those disappointments in order to get to where I am today. Because if I hadn't, if those hadn't been disappointments, if some of those things had worked out, there are multiple points throughout my life that if something had worked out the way that I wanted it to at the time, I would never have met Bonnie. I would, we would never have had Luke. I would not be living in California. I would not be doing this podcast. I would not be talking to you today. There are so many different points that I could have gone a different direction. And by the grace of God, I didn't. And I didn't like it at the time. But I realize now why I needed to go the way I've gone. And so remember that unanswered prayers lyrics. Even if you don't like country music and the thought of listening to Garth Brooks makes you want to puke, that's okay. Still go to the show notes, check out the lyrics, and it's a reminder that sometimes the greatest gifts are those unanswered prayers. And finally, number 10, have more get-tos than got-tos. And Bonnie and I had a professor together about 10 years ago in a class on personal leadership. And he was a wonderful mentor to us and coach. And he reminded us that some people have the attitude of being victims and some people have the attitude of being grateful. And I was, uh, after this class, I remember I was driving home one night and I was at a time in my career where I was working crazy, crazy hours and, uh, you know, just seemed like I was working all the time, sometimes on weekends. I was teach. I was working throughout the day. I was teaching at one point three to four nights a week. It was just ridiculous how much I was doing. It wasn't sustainable, but I won't bore you with all the details, but it was just how it was at that time. And I remember one night I got home and it was a, uh, it was a, I know it was a Tuesday night because at our old house, trash night was on a Tuesday night. And I pulled up and I think it was late. It was like 30, 10 o'clock, uh, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And drove up and I saw all the other neighbors with the trash out and I was just dead tired. I was so exhausted. I had taught a couple nights in a row and I just hadn't had enough sleep. And I remember driving up the way and I'm like, oh, I gotta take out the trash tonight too. And I pulled into our driveway and I stopped. And I remembered this lesson from our professor who said that the secret to happiness is to have more get-tos than got-tos. And I thought about that for a minute. I thought about the trash, which I always hated to do. And I thought, you know what? I don't get to take, I don't, I don't got to take out the trash tonight. I get to take out the trash tonight. 
And yeah, I was still tired. Yeah, I still did it with not the best attitude. But I got to thinking about that. I said, you know what? I get to take out the trash. I get to live where I get to live. I get to have a job. So many people don't have jobs. I get to have a job I love and I enjoy doing. So many people don't have that. I get to be married to an amazing person. So many people don't have that privilege. And it was a reminder to me then that life so often and our attitude is a choice. And let me tell you, ever since then, taking out the trash hasn't been that big a deal. I think about it all the time when I go to take out the trash now. Ah, I, gotta, I get to take out the trash. I don't got to take out the trash. Doesn't mean I always enjoy it, but I have such a better attitude about it than I used to. One little thing, but a big difference. So one of the things that I always listen for when I meet someone for the first time and when I'm talking to clients is I listen for how often they talk about what they have to do or they've got to do in relation to how often they talk about what they get to do. And almost always, I find that the people who talk about the have to do's and the got to do's are the people that don't sound very happy. And the people that talk about the get to do's are the people who are really happy and tapped into all the positive things going on in their life. And so it is a choice. The secret to happiness is to have more get to's than got to's. Okay, now a word of warning before this episode finishes. The above 10 things won't be enough if you're clinically depressed. Now, I know this because I have been through depression in my life. It's been a long time, several decades now. Um, I'm glad to say that uh, for a whole lot of reasons, it's something that's passed me. But let me tell you that you are if you're going through that, if things are not looking great, if these things aren't working, if you are feeling down, there's no reason you should be feeling down. And if you've been struggling with that for a while, talk to a doctor, see a counselor or a therapist. It's unfortunate that at least in the part of the world I live in, uh, constantly in therapy, those types of things, mental illness, there's still very much a stigma around that. And it's really unfortunate because it is an illness. And I, oh, my heart just goes out to uh, Rick Warren's family right now. I don't know if any of you know the story, but uh, Rick Warren, who's a fairly popular pastor here of a mega church in Southern California called Saddleback. Um, some of you may know Rick Warren. If you don't, uh, if you don't know uh, his church, he was the, did the um, prayer at President Obama's first inaugural um, back in uh, whenever that was, four or five years ago. Uh, his family, one of their sons struggles with mental illness. We don't, we don't go to their church, but we know a little bit of the story. And um, his son committed suicide about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And, oh, my heart just breaks for them and their family. And it, it, you know, mental illness really is an illness. If that's something you're struggling with, if you happen to be listening to, my, to this episode, if you happen to be tapping into this because you are struggling with that, uh, let me tell you, you are not alone. Others have struggled with this too. And go get help. Talk to a doctor. Talk to a therapist and a counselor. And I know some of you have done that and you've been in that situation. You've said those people haven't helped. You're talking to the wrong people. Go find the people who will help. So find the counselors, the therapists. I've talked to great ones and I've talked to bad ones in my life, but they're, they're, oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do if you're struggling with that because it is, it's something you need to do. You want to get out of that situation and you want to get the resources that will help you to do that. And here's the other word of warning. You're going to forget all of this the moment you get beaten down. So this show is as much for me as it is for you. And the reason I recorded it now is because I'm not beaten down. I have good perspective at the moment, 
But you know what? I know I will be beaten down again. And when I do, I'm going to come back and listen to this show too. So I hope that you will tap into this as a resource, whether it's today, next week, next year, or five years from now, if you're hearing this. I would love to hear what you've done to take here to apply this to help make your life better. And if you would go do this, um, go on to the show notes and let me know. And you can reach those at coachingforleaders.com slash 85. Or you can call in and chat with me directly by voicemail. That number is 949-38-LEARN. And I always love getting email from our community as well. So you can email me feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So again, that's feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, you know, I think uh, that's probably about all I have for you this week. I want to say a special thank you to Sandy Morgan, Mo Gleaner, Sue Butts, Brad Hansen, Beth Miller, and Sully Sullenberger. Thank you so much for connecting with me online, either on Twitter, Facebook, or Google+. If you will go to coachingforleaders.com slash Twitter, slash Facebook, or slash plus, whichever one of those ways you like to connect online and stay uh, in tune with what's going on in the world, I would love to stay connected with you. I'm asking questions. I'm putting resources out there throughout the week. Hey, that's a great way. That should be number 11. That's a great way to get yourself up to. I'm always putting out good, inspiring stuff. And hey, another way is to get my weekly article. I'm always looking for things that I can send you each week that will inspire you, give you new tools, give you new ideas. I send out that article every week. Go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and that'll get you on the list. And that's another way that we can all pick ourselves up. Hey, everybody, have a great week. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. Take care, everybody.